Welcome to Words of Aloha with Pastor Izzy Manzo of Amazing Grace Ministries International. We're headquartered in Kailua, Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii. Join us now as we get into God's Word. Good morning, guys. Would you grab your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark this morning, chapter 7, Mark 7, as we're going to continue our time in the Scriptures. Just to, you know, the Bible says that studying the Scriptures, it brings encouragement to our, to our hearts, and it brings hope. And, you know, in this world, we need that. We need the encouragement that God's Word brings to us. It just, you know, we have a, we have a, a society that is really, especially amongst the, the younger generation, that they don't see the hope like, I, I don't know, when I was growing up, I just thought it was a given, you know, we had hope for a better life, for a few, I grew up, uh, I guess because of my grandparents' influence, having come from Italy to, to America and immigrating, there was this expectation of, you know, we're going to a land to make it, you know, and we're going to, and and they weren't afraid of work, there was no I grew up with a really hard work ethic, and but my grandfather taught me working hard doesn't kill a man. He said hardly working is what kills a man. He he, he and he he would he would reiterate that as I got older, he would just point this out to me because his his friends that when they went into retirement it was he was noticing that they were all dying shortly after retirement, and he you know when he quote officially went into retirement he still didn't really quit working. He just shifted from doing, you know, full-time. He was, he was a master tile setter. He quit doing it full-time, but he still did t- side job here and a job over there. And, and he went for walks like six, eight, ten miles every morning. And he didn't walk slow. I mean, I tried to keep up with him as a little guy, and I was just, my feet were going as fast as I could to keep up. And, and he would tell me, you know, if you stop working as a man, Right? You see, you, and you can give an amen to this. You've, you've seen this happen in life, in this journey we have. That that men, we were made to work, but the the work was with hope. There was hope for something better. We were gonna, we were gonna get it. You know, it's gonna be a better life. It's stuff to look forward to. And this is, us, you know, if you look back at the roots of our nation, we had a, a very strong Christian influence in the founding fathers of this nation. They said this is one nation under what? Under God. Now today they're trying to take out that phrase. I don't know if you, you've seen the latest attack on that, but it, it just makes me say, you take God out of the picture and there goes our source of our hope. You know, that's not going to help the next generation to take away the one that, that gives us direction, the one that, that, that encourages our hearts, that gives us those, those words that we need to lift us up. Now this morning, I want to, like Aaron just mentioned, we're going to be praying for the family that the, the families that have been tragically impacted this week by that car accident. And it was a uh, Kaleo, the the lifeguard. He taught my son junior lifeguard, and it was his daughter that was in the that was one of the kids that perished. I don't know the names of the other ones yet, but I know there's going to be some hurting families today. And I know that. You know, if you believe in the Lord and you're in that accident, like my, Aaron already told you, my brother, he got to uh, leave this earth on Christmas Eve. 
Christmas morning was when we got the official announcement that he had passed, but um, hit head on. And, and that was right before my wife and I came to Hawaii. In fact, it was a great catalyst in my life when, you know, leading up to this, the Lord had um, been using this guy, Wally Takaki, who was born and raised in Hilo, Hawaii. And he had kept coming up to me. The wind's blowing strong. I got to shield my microphone. So I'm just going to look casual here and hold my Bible. I'm not ignoring you guys over there. It's just windy. So <laughs> sorry, Rick. <laughs> but, um, but the Lord had been using this guy, Wally, to tell me to go. He'd come up and go, you, you need to go to the big island and plant a church. You. And I'm like, yeah. Did you hear that, God? <laughs> I have to go to Hawaii. <laughs> like, you, know, you have to understand, when you're born and raised in the desert and someone says, you have to move to Hawaii, it's like, you know, how does an Arizona desert rat? I'm thinking, it can't be. I mean, that's just too cool, you know? <laughs> like, Hawaii? I, <laughs> wow. You know? And I'm like, I don't, yeah, sure. Right? But, but the Lord kept using different, you know how the Lord, when he's directing your life, he has these ways of, I mean, he has like really unique ways of speaking to you through different people or different encounters. And he kept lining them up on me, man. He just kept hitting me with, are you going to go? Are you going to? And I told Jan, I said, honey, we, you know, the Lord put it in my heart, like in right after my grandfather passed in November on Thanksgiving, my grandfather went to be with the Lord and I got to do, you know, participate at his funeral. And as soon as I was done with the funeral, God's spirit spoke to my heart and says, you're done here. You, you, your season is done. It's time to go to Hawaii. Now, he had been, you know, like giving me that guy Wally saying, you have to go. You have to. And, and, and lining up all these little things. Like, I'm like, Lord, but I had given objection. I, how can I afford to fly to Hawaii? Even 23 years ago, it was expensive to fly to Hawaii. So the Lord just shut me down. Like, in the next two men's prayer. We had a Saturday morning men's prayer at our little church there, Calvary Tri-City, and we, we prayed. And in the next two weeks, I was given seven airline tickets to anywhere America West flew. There were these buddy passes, and America West had just opened a route to Hawaii. So straight from Tempe to Hawaii, like, the Lord goes, so, any objections now? You know, because that was my, well, Lord, I can't afford it. He's like, that's not, you know, when the Lord's telling you to do something, it, uh, I, I, w I had this model to me from the, the early founders in Calvary Chapel. Ch Chuck Smith and John Higgins would both say, where God guides, God what? Have, have you heard the saying? Provides. If he's telling you to do something, don't worry. It's not, he's not waiting for you to be the provision. He's the provider. He's called Jehovah Jireh in Hebrew. That means God, not who provides um, pa or has provided, but God who continuously, presently in a present continuous form in Hebrew, he always provides. Jehovah Jireh, God, our provider, the one who will provide for himself, he says in Genesis, that where we first see it spoken by Moses, that God will provide himself a what? A lamb. A lamb. A lamb of God which will take away the sins of the world. God's going to provide the Savior. And so here I was, kind of dilly-dallying. Jan, you know, um, it was like back a couple months, the Lord told me to, we're going to Hawaii. And she was like, I know. And I'm like, but I haven't packed a box. I haven't even, 
I haven't sorted out any. I haven't like gone in the garage and cleaned up stuff and got ready. Nothing. And I was like, how are we going to make it? And we don't have. And the Lord just said, I'm going to take care of it. And two people from America West came to me. And they said, Michael Ullman and, and Bill Soper. They came and said, we, w- we work for America West now. And Bill Soper was my my big brother in gymnastics at, at ASU. We called it is a fraternity system when he made the varsity team. And he was worldly, worldly guy. He was, you know, he was the biggest partier on the team, him and Tony Russo. And they both volunteered to be my big brother. The Christian nerd gets the two party animals for for their the fraternity system, right? They're going to corrupt me. It turns out Bill Soper gave his life to the Lord, so it didn't work quite the way they thought, but God had it. God, you know, sometimes God puts you around some real wicked people because you're supposed to rub off on them. And so Bill Soper came to me and said, I can help. Uh, we were like, how are we going to? make it there everything's re- we had we had taken two of the tickets and come here and we spied out the land you know we called it the spying out the land trip and we came and checked it and everything was expensive compared to phoenix we were like we were in sticker shock you know a gallon of milk was four dollars and we were buying the the 88 cent 99 cent gallon you know when it when they mark it down because the date's gonna expire you know and and, and we're like we don't care because it didn't last more than, you know, it says like expires and are only good for a week after this date. And we're like, it'll be gone in two days. Who cares? You know, pay 88 cents. Then you get to Hawaii. There's it's $4. We're like, Jan didn't buy me any milk. She kept going, I'm waiting for it to go on sale. <laughs> you guys who live here know, I know why you're laughing because you know, does it ever go on sale? No, they never do that here. So, th- yeah, this is before Costco was even here. And when, when Costco came, Jan said, okay, I can live here now. There's a Costco. But, but back then it was just Long's, okay, and KTA and the post office. That was it. That was the whole thing. And I think Buns in the Sun came, uh, you know, shortly thereafter. And we were like, woo, it's like big, st- big. There was nothing to do. At 8 o'clock, the town rolled up the streets. It was, it was like dark. And we were in shock because we were used to this 24-hour city life you know you could go you could you could have you know college and career meeting it could go late into the evening and when you're done you could say all right let's go over to dos pesos and have mexican food you know fajitas and stuff at at one in the morning and it was a you know college town there's there's stuff open and we got here i was like in shock i didn't know what to do I'm like i guess we'll go to bed you know i wound up growing four inches in the first few years I was here, I, I, I think my body went into, it probably thanked me and said, thank you, you're finally resting like you're supposed to. But, but I, I, I was like, wow, you go to bed early, you wake up with the sun, you know. It was, like, it was refreshing. But God had a plan to get me to come here. And I, I'm only telling you this because we don't ever want to share how really spiritual we are as pastors with people. You know, that, that while he was telling me to get ready, Everybody told you how much packing had I done? Z- zip, nada. I did nothing. And when my grandfather died, as soon as that little voice, in, you know, when God speaks to you in that way that no, there's no one else around. No one said anything to me. It's just that as soon as I finished the funeral and I turned from the, the, the graveside where we were just lowering him into the ground, the Lord just just with this gentle voice said, you're done. 
You did all I want you to do here. It's time to go. So I went home. I told Jan. He's telling me I'm done. Well, I tried to pack a box or two and started kind of thinking. And Bill Soper comes and says, and I'm thinking, How, you know, it's expensive to ship stuff on, like, through the airline or through even just mailings. I go, Lord, how will we get anything over there? Because we, we're going to have to figure out something, or you're going to have to, like, set us up with a house that has this stuff. We didn't know how will this work. And Bill Soper comes to me and says, I, I work for America West now. I have an allotment. I get 1,200 pounds of stuff for 100 bucks. And then Michael Ullman, which, by the way, Michael, I got a praise report. I, Michael Ullman was one of the deacons in our church, we call him, you know, just one of the workers behind the scenes. He comes and he says, I work for America West. That, these guys don't know that independently they both have been praying and they both come to me on different occasions and say, God told me to come tell you that you can use my moving allotment. I get 1,200 pounds and I go, let me guess, for 100 bucks, you know. Michael Ullman how do you know? And the Lord goes, see? That's 2,400. That's a, over a ton of stuff for 200 bucks. Start packing. See, I, I, but I wasn't packing. You know, the Lord told me to pack, but I didn't pack because I couldn't see how is it going to get this, you know, like what am I supposed to pack and how am I going to get it there? And I didn't know it was all going to come air delivery. Like literally, we would drop it off in the morning and our stuff would beat us to Hawaii because they put it straight into the cargo hold of the of the of the plane. And this is like the first flights of America West to Hawaii. They were wide open. Like you could stretch out with with room on them. And the and the and the planes they weren't heavy. So they they threw our whole cargo they told us your stuff will get there when we have room in the plane. Only they had room the day we got it there. It all went poof. Flew to Hawaii was waiting for us. And, and my whole objection was shot out from underneath my, like, what, what, what's that saying? The, the carpet was pulled out under my feet. Like, the Lord just said, shut up. I already got you. you. I told you to go. Just like I told you to pack, but you didn't pack. Now, you wouldn't want the pastor to tell you the truth, right? And that this really happened. But, but what would happen is a month later when my brother would be, taking his wife and two kids to the to to his in-laws for for Christmas Eve supper the um drunk driver would come across and and that night he would he would get to go be with the lord and and this is my brother Joseph my who I'm the oldest of six he was the you know it was me then my sister Ursula then my brother Joseph but as far as closeness to my brothers he was the closest in age he's the one I wrestled and beat up the most and you know, and we, we went back and forth. And he's also the one that told me about Jesus. And the Bible says when you're absent from this body, as soon as you die, what happens to your spirit? You're present where? With the Lord. So I knew my brother was with the Lord. I mean, there was no question. But, but something happened in me that day when I had to do his funeral, just a month later, from doing my grandfather's funeral to a month later doing my brother's funeral. And I realized this, and I've shared this before, but, you know, for my grandfather to die, he was getting older. We, we, you know, it's kind of like you came into this world, you lived a full life, it's your turn to depart, that's all good. It, it's like the natural, to my natural understanding, that's the way life goes. But when my younger brother died a month later, 
that like unraveled my understanding of life. That that was like, wait a minute, that's not fair. He wasn't. I mean, he's he's younger than me. I should have died. This is just the way my brain thought it through. But I should go. I'm older. I'm the older brother. I should have died before he died. You know, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's just how. Just you know, this kind of no one ever said this is the rules or anything, and that's the way it goes. It's just that's just how I perceive life to go. And as soon as my brother and I did his funeral there, spoke at his funeral, I realized I haven't packed a box. It's been a whole month. God told me a month ago when my grandfather died, "You're done. Start packing." And I and I didn't. And I came home and I told my wife, I said, you know, it's it's sad to say, but, you know, just seeing my brother. Now, now I, I'm going to share this because there's a verse in Ecclesiastes. What we read in Ecclesiastes is chapter 7. It says, it's better for you to go to a funeral or a house of mourning, it's called, than to go to a party. To, it, it's actually better for you spiritually to, to attend a funeral than it is to attend a kegger. That's the, I'm going to paraphrase for you. It is better to do that. And, and it says, now there's a reason. It says, because this is the end of every person. When you look and, and you go to a funeral, you'll see that, wow, life can end. And it goes on, Solomon wrote to say, that the living take it to what? You guys know this verse? The living take it to, to heart. The living take it to heart when they when they consider, wow, life could be over. Like like, if God's telling me to go and I don't go. What if I'm in the wrong place where I was supposed to be over there, but I'm I'm dragging my heels and I wind up being next. Or, I mean, wh what if I just. I'm gonna miss out on what He's telling me to do if I just don't obey. Now, this might sound weird to you, but this, just the, the, the facing the reality of our mortality, that we don't know how long we have down here, can be one of the best things for our spiritual igniting. Because when we don't know how many days we have and we don't have any guarantees, we say, you know what, am I living, am I like the living that take it to heart? Am I making the most of this day? Like, like if I, what if this is the last day you spend on this earth? We don't know. We don't know what they are, uh, you know, our number is going to get called. And if this is the last day you was to spend on this earth, would you be living it in a way that you could stand before your maker with great confidence that you you lived it to the best what you could to, well, like, like Moses said, teach me to number my days that I could present to thee a heart full of what? Of wisdom. Psalm 90, verses 12 to 14. You read that. Even if you live 70, 80, 90 years due to strength, it says, our life is but a vapor, Moses wrote. And then we fly away. That's where we, we sang this song, this song this morning, I'll fly away. It's from that passage. We just don't know how long we'll have. So it says the living take this to heart. Well, when I saw my brother had gone, I thought life's too short to not obey. I'm going to have to do this. And as soon as I said, we just need to start packing, that's when, when Michael and, and Bill came to visit. They didn't even know. They didn't talk to each other. They just, 
individually, independently came to me and said, God told me to give you my allotment so you can go to Hawaii. The next one came and I, I think, Lord, you knew this. Now, Michael, I, I got to share this because he just emailed me asking, could I come and see you? He's been serving the Lord at Calvary Chapel Golden Grace. That's the name of their fellowship in the Philippines. He's married to Mayan. She's a, she's a gal from the Philippines. They have a couple kids. Now, I've shared about them before because there's been times. They are in the south of the Philippines where there's drug lords, and they actually advertise to, that they'll kill Christians, if you just point them out, that you get you get a hundred kilos of rice as a reward. So it's not a nice place to, you know. Even Don Fujiwara's wife Lisa said, "I never would go there," and yet God told Michael to go there, and he he goes, "Well, my life is the Lord's," and he left. You know, they laid hands on him and sent him to the Philippines shortly after the Lord sent me to Hawaii, and he just wrote me saying, "Hey, um." Is there any way my mom is having a surgery and she's not in good health? Judy is her name. By the way, please, everybody pray for Judy Ullman. She's always been my connection. I, I just call to her in Arizona, and she tells me what's going on with them because their phones go out. They don't have good Internet over there where he is. and So whenever she does get word, I have a, a – the only way I can really – how do you call it? Like keep tabs on him is to check with mom. But mom is going in for surgery, and he asked could he stop by here – as a like to break the trip not so far you know come from philippines to here is a pretty it's a pretty good flight daniel's done it like three times how long does it take daniel Where, how, how many hours nine to eleven hours to get to get to here and then from here on the feet so he asked could could is there anywhere uh, me and my daughter could stay um you know for a night or two to make the trip kind of break it i want to hear from him just the you know <laughs> Like I, I hope I'm praying it happens on a Sunday, so you guys can meet this young man. I mean, he, this guy went from being a deacon to now he's pastoring a church, and I think, Lord, you're really cool because this, this guy is just you know got a gentle spirit, and and the Lord used him to help me come here, so he's in our bulletin. He's one of the guys we pray for each week, but uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks he'll come by, and uh, and see us, and we'll get to hear. An update what's happening with them they they had the typhoon come through wipe out the i mean literally wipe out their building put about a foot and a half of mud in their already it was just it just destroyed their sound system all the cables and everything got soaked in mud and we prayed for that and i just i look i think guys when when we don't know how many days we have or we don't know whether the stuff we do have is going to be taken away What's our focus supposed to be on? You know, re really, we have to keep that eternal perspective that we, ha that we have as, that's our hope. You know, the Bible says that whenever someone asks you, what, why are you a Christian? Why, what's the big deal? Peter wrote, he says, be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within you. When they ask. Now, it doesn't say go beat them over the head when they don't ask. I've seen some Christians a little, you know, they're going to, they're going to, let me share my hope, bap, you know, whether you want it or not. That's not what the Bible says to do. It says that you, you give the, you, the answer when they ask. That hope that lies within us, let me share that with you. And that's, that's what we get the privilege of doing. Well, Jesus was, we saw over the last couple of weeks in Mark's gospel, he's been pointing to the Father. The things of the kingdom of heaven, what God has the forgiveness, the love, the mercy. 
he was so compassionate. The, now, how popular is he by the time we get here to Mark chapter 7 with the, with the folks? Right? The, the, I mean, the people love him. The word is spreading. Now, he would do miracles and then he would say, shh, shh don't, don't tell anyone. Just keep it. And, and, and then what do we read in the next verse? And the word went out to everyone. I, I, I've told you that's my new amendment to preaching to you from now on. I'm going uh, to tell you this stuff today, but don't tell anyone. It's a secret. <laughs> I might as well just copy Jesus. I mean, it seemed to work for him. He'd tell them, don't, do, don't, don't tell them, and what would they do? they go tell everybody. So today I'm going to share with you a part that Jesus, now Jesus is grown with such popularity that the people are coming, it says, from all the surrounding regions. I mean, all the way from far away. But last week I mentioned, and I have to amend my study last week, I said it was about 40 miles, and something set right in my mind. It kind of bugged me that, you know, wait a minute, he's up here by Gennesaret. That's up by the Sea of Galilee. And I was thinking, it's like at least 40 miles at these. He had some visitors that came from Jerusalem. And I thought, well, you know, that's pretty far away to come just to see Jesus. But, but I mentioned this group, and I, you know, I wish they weren't really in the story, but they are. And you know which group it is, right? We're going to pick up today with this. In Mark chapter 7, it says there was the Pharisees, the religious leaders we see in verse 1, and some of the scribes that came to gather around Jesus, and they had come from Jerusalem. Now, I went and got my little Bible map out, and I looked, and I went, now, wait a minute. In their day, if you're going to hike to from Jerusalem up to the Sea of Galilee, you, you have to stay by water. It's just a practical, you know, thing about Like, by the way, it's over 80 miles. So they would generally go from Jerusalem over the Mount of Olives through the, that valley of the shadow of death over to Jericho. Then from Jericho, it's a short jaunt to the Jordan. Go up the Jordan. There, there's, you know, a better walking along the riverbank and get all the way up to the Sea of Galilee. Because the Sea of Galilee just is the, the headwaters of the Jordan River that comes down all the way down to the Dead Sea. So that was the, the typical path folks would take. Now, you could do the over-the-mountain way, but if you had a choice, what, what would you do? You know, hike a couple mountains or take the nice plains and along the water, you know, walk along the creek. and So they went over 80 miles. I mean, that, that's over three marathons in distance to go just to see Jesus. And you think, well, we've been reading. Jesus has been doing miracles. He's been feeding the 5,000. He's been healing all the sick and raising the dead. And, you know, good stuff is happening. And he's been teaching the people about the kingdom of God. And they are just, I mean, how long, how long were Jesus' sermons, by the way? Do you remember when, that day when he fed the, the, the 5,000? All day. He, like, literally, they were coming and hanging out. They're like, man, we ain't leaving. He must have been, he must have been a, a great teacher. I mean, they called him Rabboni, which in Hebrew means great teacher. He, he could keep, I, I personally want to go hear him teach. Because, I mean, anybody can keep people sitting there for a whole day, and they won't even leave, even though they're hungry. I mean, 
It's, Jesus has said he looked out and they were he had compassion for them because they were they were there and they'd been the whole day with him and they hadn't had anything to eat. He's like, we need to feed them. Hey guys, feed them. And they're like, what? How could we, even if we had 200 denarii of bread, 200 days wages worth of bread, we couldn't feed this crowd. Just that that many people would stay all day with it. It tells you, see some people don't read these details, but it tells me Jesus had something going. That, I mean, 5,000, now they only counted in Jewish culture, you know, their, their cultural way of counting. Did they count the women and the children? No, when they numbered, they only numbered off the, the men. So you got 5,000 men plus the women and the children. We know there was a, at least one lad there because he had his lunch that they used. Remember they said, what do you got to feed him with? And, well, we got this boy's lunch, a couple fish and five loaves, right? And he takes it and blesses it. and Then he hands it to the disciples and says, you go feed him. And I've shared this before, but would any of you go with me if we had a time machine? And and just 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 to would anybody here be like me that would want to be one of the bread passer outers? Is that such a thing? <laughs> you just you just take the bread that Jesus blessed and you go, here, have some. Here, have some. And you start handing it out. And every time you tear off some, I mean, who besides me think this would be cool? To do. I mean, I got a question. Did the bread really multiply to feed all those people? Yeah. But I would like to be one of the guys holding the bread. <laughs> Turn off. Here you go, Dot. Have you? Here you go, Jan. Just and just keep handing it out. And then every time you look down, you throw off a hunk, and it's still there. Does anyone think that would be fun? You know, just like, oh Lord, man, that would be. Now the the crowds. They don't even want to leave him alone. Last week we saw he crossed over the lake. First he sent his disciples. Get in the boat, guys, and go. I'm going to go up and pray. And he dismissed everybody. Everybody, time to go. And he went up in the mountain and prayed. And then he came, we saw a couple weeks ago, walking on the water. While they were straining at the oars, they couldn't get across the lake. He just, it says he was intending to what? Pass them by. He's going to walk right by him. Let him keep rowing. Row, row, row. You were there. And Jesus is walking by. And when they saw him, they said, it's a ghost. Freaked out. You know, it's, a, it's the third watch of the night. It's like 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Is it in that, you know, dark first light period? Ah, it's a ghost. He goes, it's not a ghost. It's me and Peter, my favorite. If it's really you, Lord, what did he say? Bid me to come to you. Just say, come to And Jesus goes, all right, come. Now, anyone here a Peter in your personality that you would have been? I would have. I, I'm just telling you. My wife probably knows this about me by now, but. You know, listen, not, not everyone's called to be a Peter. There was 11 other guys. And we don't hear about any of them saying, yeah, me too. You know, James, John, Thomas, Doubting Thomas. He did, Doubting Thomas didn't say, me too. Probably should have. Wouldn't be so doubting. 
But Peter says, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he did it. All right, come. Did Peter walk on the water at first? Who can answer this? You, you know the story? He, he really walked on water. And until, remember, his eyes were on Jesus. He was good. What happened when he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the storm? Boom. He starts sinking. That's how we are. Well, now our focus is on what the Lord is showing. We're looking at him. Whatever he says to do, we're just doing what he says. He makes stuff happen, even if it seems impossible to us. How am I going to get my stuff from Arizona to Hawaii, Lord? We can't even afford the tickets. Here, here's seven tickets. Shut up. But how am I going to get my stuff there, Lord? It's expensive. You know, you got to pay. Back then it was cheap, you know, $10 or something. You got like two bags free. And then it was $10 a bag after that. You remember those days? And I'm going, how am I going to get my stuff to Hawaii, Lord? Shut up. 2,400 pounds of stuff for a 200 bucks. Can you, can you handle 200, you know? And, and on top of it, he just, you know, made the 200 bucks appear, you know, like one of those, here, shut up. Here's the always object. Just, where's your focus? Is it on me or is it on the storm? See, we always look at the stuff that, oh, no, it can't be. And the Lord goes, just look at me. Now, because Jesus has been doing this, you remember, we got him all the way across the sea, gets there with the disciples, and, and as soon as he arrived on the shore, what happened? The people found out, right? And they came all the way from all the regions. How'd you get here? You didn't take a boat. They didn't know the whole walking on the water. Oh, who knew about the walking on the water? Just the disciples in the boat. And they still haven't figured it out. And now, some of those religious guys who have trekked, remember, there's no public transport or car to jump in. Now you're going to go over 80 miles through the desert to get up to the Sea of Galilee to hear about this this rabbi, word has spread. This shows me how, how, how much the word has spread. All the way to Jerusalem, the religious leaders are finding out about what Jesus is doing up in the north country, and they're like, we got to go check him out. And as soon as they got there, we went over this last week, when they got there, first thing they said to the disciples were, how did it feel to get to pass out the bread, right? Was that cool or what? No. They said, why do your disciples eat with unwashed hands? You don't follow the tradition of the elders. We wash our hands, you know, with the whole seven pots and do the scrub down. And, and you guys, you don't ceremonially wash. That's bad. Now, Jesus is going to address this. He's going to tell them it's not what goes in your mouth. We'll get to this next week. I'm just giving you a preview. It's not what goes in your mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes what? Out of his mouth. Oh, that's a nice breeze, Lord. It comes out of the mouth. Because out of the mouth, it says, comes forth that which is in the heart. Now, just, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's coming up next week. 
He's going to teach that to the crowd. But before he teaches the crowd, he's going to have a little private study with the religious leaders. That's what I want to zoom in on today. We read it just in passing last week, but would you look with me now at Mark chapter 7, where he speaks to the Pharisees as they're telling him that his disciples won't follow the traditions of the elders. And Jesus, he answered, verse 6, and he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy concerning you. As it is written, this people, they honor me with their what? Their lips. But their, their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me. They teach as doctrines the precepts of men. You know, these things, these traditions of men, they teach it like it's the doctrines of God. But they're not. Anyone here familiar with the Catholic Church? Anyone here raised Catholic just besides me? I, I, I just want to point that. I was taught a lot of traditions. And, and I remember asking, and I have wonderful, I, I mean, I went to Catholic school, Italian, Roman, Catholic boy. You know, I had to learn Latin, go to catechism, you know, altar boy, yep, and learn Latin mass. There was a revolt in our church when they went to English mass. This is just to let you know we were the old school, okay, the old Vatican. We, we did not go with the, in fact, they did English mass for like two weeks, and it got poopod so much that, you know, all the old Italians were like, no, we want the Latin. They couldn't sleep. Because uh, <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, just kids observing. They, they just, they, no, but I had to, I actually learned Latin. So it was like something that, you know, I actually understood what they were saying. And I, 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 I didn't care. See, I grew up speaking Italian first, so it didn't matter to me. It's not the language you're speaking in. It's the message you're saying that counts. And so I was, I, I, but see, there was times in the Catholic Church I'd ask the nun, what, you know, where do we get this idea? Oh, that's a tradition of the church. That's a tradition, she would tell me. And, and I said, well, if the tradition, which one do we stick with? With what Jesus says or with the tradition? Like if there's a conflict. Boy, I was a popular kid, you know. That's not a popular question to ask, by the way. At least back then it wasn't. And I, I actually got called out. I had to get, go to the back. Uh, like she goes, oh, Father Barry uh, or Father McMahon, they're going to speak to you. I got pulled out of class and taken to the back of the parish between the bushes and the building. I thought I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm meeting my maker today. And the priest was the coolest priest. He told me never to tell anyone what he was going to tell me. But I'm going to tell you anyway because he's dead and he's in with the Lord, I'm sure. He, he knelt down in front of me and he said, I said, well, I, I just, I want to know like this, I had this question because we, we had these Bibles that they had the little, it's called the way and they had the little stick figures of Jesus sitting at the table with the disciples and, you know, there's not, I was a picture, I'm a visual learner. I like the pictures, you know, but this thing didn't have very many pictures. And I asked him a question, and, and, and they said, he, he, he took me to the back of the church, and I, he said, I hear you have a question about traditions and, and, um, and things what Jesus says. And so he says, I, I don't want you to tell anyone. He knelt down real quiet. He said, now listen, there are traditions of men, and there's, 
and there's the things what Jesus says we should do. Now, if there's ever a conflict, now don't you say this to anyone. If there's ever a conflict, he says, always go with Jesus. I was like, okay, that's good. Am I in trouble now? Am I going to have to get a licking? Nope, go back. And I, because I was sure, I was shaking. And I thought, I'm, I'm going back there to die. You know, he's going to beat me within an inch of my, something. I mean, this is bad. They had to call the priest. The nun wouldn't even answer my question. Because she was, I, I was like, but, but the church says we should do it this way, but Jesus says we should do this. Which one do we stick with? Now, when you're a young kid and you ask that question, in a, in a real traditionally ingrained group, you know the answer isn't always going to be go with Jesus. Yeah. And I just sat there and went, I don't know. Well, these guys show up and Jesus says, I'm going to have a little chat with you guys that follow tradition. The tradition of men. I have something to tell you. What did he tell them? He turns his whole attention on them. He says, rightly did Isaiah prophesy concerning you. You are mentioned in the scriptures. They probably go, yeah, that's us, man. This people honor me with their what? Their lips. But their heart, he said, is what? Far from me. They're all, praise God, praise God, praise God. But their heart isn't for praising God. Their heart was far away from God. They were missing out. I mean, guys, I, whenever I ask for volunteers to go in the time machine to go be part of what God was doing through his son, I, I notice there's a huge showing of hands, at, le at least at our fellowship. I mean, this is like, they're like, let's go. But I, I marvel. These guys were the spiritual leaders of the day. These were the head honchos from Jerusalem. And they've gone all this way. And are they saying, how can we participate? Can we get in on it? You know, let us be part of what God's doing. No. Because their heart is far away from God. They might have been saying the things, you know, praise be to God, praise be to God. But their heart wasn't with God. And he said, rightly did Isaiah prophesy concerning you guys. You got mentioned, all right, but not what I call honorable mention. This is a bummer. And then he goes on and listen to this. Verse 8, he says, And neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the traditions of men. And he was also saying to them, You have nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For you go and say, Well, Moses, Moses wrote, Jesus said, To honor your father and your mother. Right? And anyone who speaks evil of his father or mother, Moses said, Let him be put to death. That's what the, I mean, and these, did these guys know the law, the, the, the commandments? Yeah. And, but Jesus went on and told them, but, I, but you say, if a man says to his father or mother, hey, mom, dad, anything I could have, might have been able to help you with, um, sorry, I can't, I can't um, help you out because that, that thing that you need, uh, I already dedicated to that to God. You, you, he says, you call it Corban. That's just literally, 
you know, saying, I, I, I know mom and dad, you need a few dollars, and, but, but I, I'd love to help you, but I can't because I already, I already pledged that, you know, on the pledge card at church. And he says, so I can't help you. Jesus said, you guys no longer permit that person to do anything for his father or mother. And thus, he says, you invalidate the word of God by your traditions, which you have handed down. And you do many things such as this. Now, they came all this way, but not to, not to be part of what Jesus was doing, but to criticize. Can you believe that someone would go a long distance just to criticize a movement of God? I can tell you from my personal experience, only 23 years here in the islands with Jan and I, right? And yet, I don't know why, but some people feel compelled to come all the way here. They hear that God's doing neat things in our little fellowship on the beach, and lives are being touched. And, and I, I've had some of them show up, and, 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 and instead of saying, we had one woman show up this morning. She came and says, I can see God is using you in this place. I'm from Bend, Oregon. And um, I want to just know how I can help. I, I've got to leave, but can I get a bulletin and keep in touch with you? Because this church is alive. I can see. I was just on a walk. And we were doing the feeding this morning. And she just was, wow, this is great. Okay, here's a bulletin. God bless you. Bring, bring greetings of peace from the body here in Kona to wherever you guys are. And she left and she was, she was just jazzed. Look at what the Lord's doing. But I've had people show up and say, well, this isn't how we do it at our church. You know, there are people here that don't even have shirts on or shoes. Yeah. What kind of church is this? This is not the traditions. You need to wear a tie. <laughs> yeah, or a hat in the Catholic church. This is, you're not dressed properly. And I, I think, you, you, you don't understand. God is not a God that looks at this outward. We, we can put on any clothes. Does he go, uh, I only accept people wearing eyes odd. Or, I don't know what. I'm not very good with the, with the fancy names of clothes because I've been here so long. You know, one thing I love about Hawaii, they don't really put a lot of emphasis on, you know, the 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 the, the brand name of, of stuff. If you got clo if you got a shirt, you're good. You know, like you got to go into the into the store. It says no shoes, no slippers, no service, right? So or, I mean, or no 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 shirt, no slippers, no service. I mean, if you got a t-shirt and some slippers, you're good. You're you're in, and it doesn't really. I, I personally, I appreciate that because I think you really can't impress God with dressing up anyway. He's not going to look and go, wow, you're really impressing me. You're wearing your good duds. He looks at the heart. See, he looked right through these religious leaders that came. Oh, and you could say they went a long distance to see him. But just because they went a long distance doesn't mean their heart was right towards God. They went a long distance, and they just showed up, and they were the criticizers of the people who were there, of the ones that were partaking and being involved in what God was doing. They got to criticize them. Yeah, well, you guys don't wash your hands right. Wow. Heavy-duty criticism. 
Like you had to come over 80 miles to tell us we didn't wash the right way? But yet, uh, now see, they were really pointing it at, wh who were who they criticizing? Did you notice there? What group? They, they focused on a certain group. The disciples. The disciples that were there. Start picking on them. Now, if, just put yourself in the story. Which one do you want to be? Peter, James, John. I'm, I'm going to be Peter because I get to do the water walking. But if I'm Peter and they show up and they say, you didn't wash your hands right. I'd be like, you weren't here yesterday when I was breaking the bread and handing it out and it kept multiplying. These dirty hands touched bread that continuously multiplied till the till 5,000 of men, plus the women and children. And I got to go pick up the leftovers. And Jesus never said anything about you didn't wash your hands properly. According to the traditions, I would have thrown it back in their face because I'm just kind of that way. I don't know if you noticed that. But I, I, just me and Dottie, we're the only two. The rest of you are all good. I mean, like, but they attacked the disciples. The very guys that, that were actually used in the whole story to be vessels for, for the work of, well, Jesus's. They got to be part of the miracle. And they're criticizing the ones that got to be part of the miracle. I notice whenever God's Spirit uses some people, say he uses a little group of people, they pray for something, a miracle happens. You can always see what's in a person's heart. When they find out about the miracle, do they say, oh, praise the Lord, miracles have happened, and rejoice in the miracle. If the, by the way, if a person's heart's for God, it doesn't matter if the miracle happened at the Baptist church or the Lutheran church or, or Calvary community or Grace community. We don't go, oh, poo miracles happened at Grace community. Did you hear last week someone got healed? Poor Grace community. No. If your heart's for the Lord, you go, oh, right, go God. You don't care which fellowship the work took place. You just rejoice that God did it. But I hate to report to you after 30 plus years of being a Christian and most of that time spent serving in full-time ministry that any time I've, I, I finally figured this out, every time a miracle or move of God takes place in a group, if, the, if another group finds out that their hearts are not quite right, oh, they, they speak all the, the, their lips with lip service, they, they serve God, but not with the heart. And those ones will start to criticize did you hear? Miracles have happened over at that church. Whoa, big deal, you know. They probably don't even know how to have a service right. They probably don't worship with the right protocol. You know, three hymns, two contemporary, three times of kneeling, one standing, raising your hand, no raising hand. I've had guys come up and say, you know, you didn't have everybody raise their hand together. And then you didn't have everybody kneel together. You didn't have... What does that have to do with the... But 
Jesus has pointed out to me. Do you see these guys? I had to deal with them. And I wish that this, I told you, right, didn't I at the beginning? I wish I didn't, this part wasn't in here, but the reality is we still have pharisaical Christians alive and well. There is this spirit of the Pharisees that has permeated certain churches. And whenever God's spirit does a move, those guys show up and instead of saying, praise the Lord, God's moving, they say, you're not doing this right. Or, well, you know, honestly, you should be wearing a tie. Or You obviously don't know the proper way. I'm here to tell you I know no proper way for the move of God. Because God is so big, I can't fit him into my proper understanding. He doesn't fit in our box. And that's the beauty of it. We serve a God that can do way beyond what we think or imagine. And today I want to encourage you. You know, it is tragic. We, 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 all of a sudden, just to, for my, my son Daniel, he swam with the, one of the girls that, that left this earth. And he trained with her. He did, he did uh, junior lifeguard, the Kaleo, the father. He, my heart just aches for that man today. I want to end by praying for that. Honey, how do you say their name? Honey, how Neil family, and and the other families that are going to be affected by these three girls passing. You know, my my son said, if she didn't know the Lord, she's not she's in hell, and that's a really hard thing to think about. But you know, it's sobering. It makes me think. Mm, I don't want to waste any time. I want to make sure that all the kids this next generation get to hear the gospel. Because, see, with, with the death of my brother, I had a great comfort because I, I knew he told me about Jesus. I knew he knew the Lord. And I, even though it really hurt to have my brother die on Christmas Day, I thought, you know, I mean, and here, here's Kaleo's daughter dying on Valentine's Day. You know, Will, Will lost his sister, he said to me. My sister died on, on Halloween. I always hate, he goes, I always hated Halloween. Now I hate it even more. You know, it's like a constant reminder the day my, my sister died. I told Will, I said, well, Will, I, I, I share your pain because I, you know, I was a part of our fellowship when, 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 and when that went down, you know, his sister, they were having a harvest party down south and a, and a hayride and, the, and his little sister fell off the hayride wagon and went under it was run over and died. And so his heart's always been grieving and mourning about that. And I said, you know, I, my brother, he, he, I mourn that he left too, but, but I have a kind of a, a sweet comfort also because it says if you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. And that means that, and, and Christmas is the day we celebrate the Lord's birth. You know, it's, it's, his, it's his day to have a birthday party. So for his birthday, my brother got to go to his birthday party. As I told Will yesterday, I said, it just, I know this is going to sound different. You're, you're thinking your, your sister died on Halloween. It's a bad thing. I think my brother died on Christmas, and he went to be with Jesus for Jesus' birthday. Now I know people are, we don't know the exact day what Jesus, you know, was born. Just shut up. My brother's with the Lord. And if I could introduce every teenager in this whole of the islands to Jesus, that they could have salvation, 
like Tati receiving Jesus Friday night at youth group. After all, the, you know, afterwards, we were talking about the Lord late into the evening, and, and she wanted to receive Jesus in her heart. If I could get all the teenagers to, to know him, then even if their life would to be cut short, their eternity is not. They'll be with the Lord forever. And that's, you know, when I think of with these tragedies happening in our community, they're sobering. We should wake up and say, we don't know how much time we have. Especially us older ones. If a teenager has been cut off from this life, do we have any guarantees we're going to make it? You know, well, I mean, I just look at it like my number's way ahead in the lineup. So let's be ready. Let, let's take it to heart this day, and let's make sure our hearts aren't like the Pharisees. That whatever God's doing in our lives, we could, we could be, you know, let's be like one of the disciples that's participating in whatever Jesus is doing and, and be part of it. Now, next week, I, I was going to turn to Luke 15. I'll just tell you, to one of the boys said to me after Tati um, prayed to receive Jesus, he said, Gober said, isn't there something in the Bible about whenever one person, just one person, gives their life to, to the Lord, that there's some kind of party in heaven? There's like um. He's like, is, there, is that a real verse? Like, because he'd heard the idea. And I'm going to just end with this so you, so you know this, Tati. This is for you. In Luke chapter 15, it says here, now the Pharisees, they were kind of cranky. By the way, this is the sister passage to what we're studying. So just so you know, Luke 15, it says, all the tax gatherers and sinners were coming near to Jesus and listening to him. And it says in verse 2 of Luke 15, And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Ooh, terrible. Poor Jesus. You know, he's helping the people who need help the most, and they're cranky. And so Jesus told them this parable. He said, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine? in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Verse 5 says, And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. For I tell you in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Then he went on to say, or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and she loses one, she do, does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she, found, when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, Jesus says, I tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Just when one person comes to the Lord, they, 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 there's a heavenly angelic party going on. See, Tati, you just made the angels in heaven have another excuse. Let's party. Another, another one has come to the Lord. That's what... But were the Pharisees and scribes happy about it? No, they're grumbling. Jesus is hanging out with sinners. He even eats with them. 
Oh, bad guy. And they don't wash their hands. And they get to criticize. Yeah, isn't it weird how people criticize such stupid things? They lost the spirit of what God was doing. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. Who can tell me what he said he came to do? I came to what? To save it. Let's keep that in mind. The Lord came to save. And there's a lot more to save. And when, and when, when we face the, the finality, that, that finite thing, that, that, that reality that we don't know how long we're going to be here, we need to be busy letting people know about our Savior. So that if they should perish, well, even the Bible says, even if we die, if we believe, we don't really die. We just, we just move. We upgrade, actually, from this earthly tent to a heavenly mansion. Anyone besides me ready for upgrading? Just me and Bob, right? That's it. The rest of you guys, good luck. No. It's a, it's a great hope. It's the greatest hope we have. We will not be prisoners in these bodies forever. My body's saying, amen, 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 amen. Man, this hernia surgery has made me feel like a trapped. Nobody told me you're going to be stuck in the chair and have to call for the kids to get you up. Because you can't lean. This is the farthest I've been able to lean forward right now, and it stinks. I'm just beginning. Thanks, Dot. You're just so comforting. Ugh. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we got to be together. Thank you for the privilege that we can come into this place in the open and just share about the, the mercy and the love and the grace what you have for each of us. We pray now, like Aaron asked that we'd pray as a group. We pray for the families that have been affected by these, this car accident, Lord. There's going to be three families just devastated. We just pray that your spirit would Go and comfort those families as they mourn the loss of these young ones. And I pray also, Lord, for an emboldening to come upon all of our teenagers here. For my son, for my daughter, that you would just give them the right words to speak of comfort and hope and, 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 and your love to the ones that, that, that I know, Lord, you have set up appointments that will lie ahead for them this week. Just use them. Use all of us, Lord. I just ask you to do that. As we, as we prepare to leave from this place, we, we pray your spirit come and give comfort to our hearts that we might come and comfort others. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone that agree with me said, Amen. Would you guys mind if we pass on the closing song? I'm done. My stomach's... I, don't, I can't put the guitar against here. It's a little tender still. Keep praying. If you would, wouldn't mind praying, we'll have prayer under the sound tent right there. And... Mahalo for joining us. If you'd like more information about us, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com, and click the link to follow us on Facebook. That's AmazingGraceKona.com. Mahalo. God bless.